Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. And I've got a thought on my heart and uh, just going to preach it off of my heart real quick and uh, get out of the way. But I want to I go ahead and give you my title for the message. Um, that way you can see what my train of thought is on this text. Um, verses 22 through 27 is where I'm going to be reading from. And there is a phrase that is used. And it's in verse 23, and you'll see the context of it here in just a minute, but I want to just draw this phrase out just so you understand where I'm coming from. The beginning of verse 23 says, And when they came to Marah. And I want to preach this evening on the thought, I'm glad I know who holds to Marah. Because I know we would all agree tonight that God holds tomorrow. There, there, there wouldn't be anybody to shake your head, no, he's, not, he, he's sovereign, he's in control. Well, that sounds all nice and good while we're riding the waves and while we're on the mountaintops and the sun's hitting us in the face. But when the storm clouds come, and uh, it's like Brother Morgan said earlier, things that have just happened today that you've seen on the news, things you can't understand, things you can't comprehend, things you can't write down and say, I, 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 don't, I can't put this all together in my mind and in my heart. It is during those times that we still have to look at God and say, God, you are in absolute control. God, you've got this. God, you've got it taken care of. God, you had it before it started. And God, you're going to have it when it ends. God, I'm going to trust in you. And what an example that is preserved for us here in Scripture because before I read verse 22, understand where we are. The children of Israel had just come off one of the greatest miracles I believe ever recorded in Scripture. That they had had their backs up against the wall. That Pharaoh was breathing down their throat. He was coming in and he was coming to kill them. He was going to take them out. They had nowhere to go, nothing to do. And God told Moses, he said, if you'll just turn around with your staff and lift your staff up over the water, he said, I'll part the waters. You can walk over on dry ground. He said, and I'll take care of every bit of it. And God did exactly what he said he's going to do. And when he got over to the other side, there the army was coming in right behind him. And he said, if you'll just take that same staff, bring the waters back on top of them. He said, there they're gone. He said, you won't have to see any of them anymore. And so it was. And every one of them was taken out and they washed up on the shore for them. What a miracle that God showed up and showed out for them. That had just happened. And now they are leaving the beaches of the Red Sea. How wonderful of a day it is. How great of a miracle He's performed. What a glorious God that we have. Man, He's provided. He's done all of this. The sun's shining on their face. They're riding on the mountaintops. Everything is great. Lord, You're so good. Now we get to verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. And they went out into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? I'm going to stop there. We're going to finish reading as we continue on. But I want to stop and say just a few words about what we just read. They just walked away from the beaches. They're walking away with the blessing in their mind, how God has provided, how wonderful He is. And now just... 
three days into this journey, they are beginning to murmur against Moses. Now, I could see a daddy talking to a son, maybe, walking off and say, Daddy, it's day one. I'm getting a little thirsty. Daddy, I'd love to have a little bit of water. Son, don't worry about it. Moses has got this under control. Day two comes around. Daddy, I'm really thirsty about this time. And he says, Son, don't worry about it. I'm pretty sure Moses has got this under control. Day three rolls around, Daddy, I'm about to thirst to death, and so is everybody else. And now he comes out and says, I'm not sure if he does or not. Something's going to have to give, something's going to have to go, because we're all about to thirst to death. And about that time, they roll up on a place called Mara. And there they see the pools, there they see the water that is there, and they run up, seeing all of the water, Lord has answered our prayers, and they go to drink it, and now they're spitting it right back out. They've run up against a wilderness problem, a wall problem. The word sure literally means wall. They've run up against another wall. They've run up against a water problem and a wilderness problem. All in the same three days. God, you've provided. God, you've done all of this. God, you've showed out and showed up. And all through this, now they're beginning to murmur. And they're not murmuring against God. They are murmuring against God. But they're murmuring against God's man. They're pointing and saying, you did this. You brought us out. You told us that God would take care of us. You said God had this under control. And now look what's going to happen. Now look how everything seems to be falling apart. Now what are we going to do, man of God? What are we going to do? And knowing Moses, how God and Moses have already got this wonderful relationship, Moses said, I, God, I know what you've told me. God, I know that your promises are true. God, I remember when you visited me in the burning bush. I know that you said you're going to be with me all of the way. I know you said you've got a land for us and you're going to take us where that land flows with milk and honey. Because he goes back and you can go back and read in, in chapter 14. There in verse 15 he said, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore Christ thou unto me, speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. He said, I want you to take them and you put it in their hearts and in their minds that they've got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. They've got to keep going forward. They can't stop even when the times get tough, even when the storms come, even when the wilderness is facing them, even when there's no water for them to see, even when things are in their mind, they can't explain it, they can't write it down. He said, I want you to tell them, keep moving, keep going forward because I'm just as much in control when you left the beach of the Red Sea as when you're three days deep into the wilderness and you can't see the water, you can't see the end of this thing. God is still in control. Boy, aren't you thankful tonight we serve the same God that when the doctor calls you and says, hey, I've got some bad news for you. When things rise up and you got a son or a daughter that's not showing up at home like they're supposed to show up at home. And the devil's whispering in your ear say, hey, boy, things was good just last week, wasn't it? Now where's God at? Now where's he at? Now's where, where's the blessings of life at now? And you can look back in the devil's face and say, devil, I can't explain everything that's going on. I can't give you the answer to this, but what I can tell you is I I'm glad I know who holds my tomorrow. When we all have to walk through that time, when we've all got to go through those dark days, when we've all got to go through the times when we can't figure out where my next drop of water is going to come. Have you ever been to that place in your life?
life where you've been to your prayer ground seems like time after time after time after time and Lord I just hadn't heard from you. Lord I just hadn't heard and the devil said see you're wasting your time. There's a lot more things you could be doing with that time if you just go ahead and bail out. If you just go ahead and quit on him and go ahead and go doing all these other things see all these other people they're enjoying life well no they just look like they are. And if you'll just look at the devil and say, devil, the more I don't feel like praying, the more I'm going to find my prayer place and bow on my face. Because as the songwriter said, there's been a few times when you get down on your knees and you wasn't expecting him, you was just trying to get down and do what you're supposed to do and call out to God. And all of a sudden, God shows up on the scene and he makes himself real to you and you begin to say, God, thank you. I'm so thankful that you showed up because, God, I was needing a little drink of water. God, I felt like I was three days deep into my wilderness, but God, you showed up and did that for me. There was a walking issue they had. Moses knew they had to keep going. He knew that God had a bigger and better plan and whatever this was that they were having to walk through, it was just part of it. And we're going to have to get to the other end of this. It may hurt. It may be hard. It may be something that your kids are asking you to explain and you have to look at them with that answer that said, Son, honey, daughter, I can't explain it. But what I can't explain is that God is in control. God loves us. He hadn't left us and He never will. Boy, aren't you thankful we serve that same faithful God. I was working the U.S. Open golf tournament. Not It's been a while ago now. I think it was 2014. And I got down to the very last hole, and they had pulled me off my hole, and they said, hey, you're going to work the 18th green. And they said, we, all these people are going to be coming trying to rush the green. You've got one job, and that's to hold them back. And they put me on my post. Here come the winner. He was coming up the fairway. And my sergeant walked by real quick and he said, listen. He said, make sure you don't take your eyes off these people for no reason at no time. Do you understand? I said, yes, sir. Now, I'm about from here, maybe a little bit further than the piano from the green. And I'm watching all of these people. I'm doing my job. And I know he's fixing to make the putt to win the U.S. Open. And I'm a big golfer. I wanted to see it. I said, I'll never have another chance to see this man this close hit this putt right here. And I'm sitting there in uniform. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm watching all these people. They're watching him. And I said, I know what I can do. I can take a quick glance. And I said, I'm going to watch him. I said, all right. I can see everybody's excitement in their eyes. He's fixing to make his putt. And I did this like I was scanning the crowd, and I just scanned around. And I watched him make the putt, and I spun back around, and I watched my crowd like I was supposed to. Just that, that amount of times, all it was. It wasn't 30 minutes after everything was over. My sergeant come running up to me. And he said, were you the one standing at the sign over at the USGA sign? I said, yes, sir. He said, the colonel wants to speak to you. I thought, this is not good whatsoever. There's no good can come out of this. I said, the colonel wants to speak to me? He said, yes. He said, your picture was taken. He said, you're posted all over the internet and all over newspapers and everything getting ready to get printed out. He said, he wanted to know who that man was right there in uniform. I thought, there's no way that they snapped a picture in that seven seconds that I turned around to watch him make that putt. I thought, well, this is it. And I walked up. The colonel was waiting. I walked up. I said, good afternoon, colonel. I said, Trooper Henson. I said, I stationed in Rutherford County. He said, so you're him. And I said, I'm him. I don't know. I said, before I, before I answer that, I want to know what that's about. Yes. He said, you're the man that they took the picture of. I said, well, what's the picture of, sir? 
He said, while everybody else was watching the man make the putt, he said, you were standing your post doing your job. And you can literally see, I've got the picture in my study. You can literally see my back about right here. And you see me scanning the crowd again. They had snapped the picture literally as I turned back around and it looked like I had never turned around to look. He said, I just wanted to shake your hand, Trooper, because I appreciate you doing your job. You said, well, I know you being a trooper and a preacher, you told him the truth. I shook his hand. I said, thank you, sir. (laughs) But I got to thinking about that story today. And I got to thinking about when God has given me something to do. And he said, you keep your face set like a flint. Don't you move to the left nor to the right. You keep going down the middle and do what I've told you to do. How many times I just say, well, Lord, it ain't going to matter if I just veer off for just a few seconds. And then I can come back, Lord, it ain't going to matter if I just look over here for just a few seconds. Because I want to tell you, it's just those few seconds that the devil needs for you to take your eyes off of him. Take your eyes off of what's going on in your life between you and your God and you begin to look at the bitter waters of Mara. You begin to look at the wilderness. You begin to look at all the things that used to take place and are now not taking place because it seems like, it seems like God's grace is gone because you've taken your eyes off of him. But here the lesson is God is looking at His children and He is saying, I've got one thing for you to learn out of this. There's a bunch of lessons in this, but the overarching lesson in this is, do not take your eyes off of me. There's going to be a million things going on in your life and you can study the life of the children of Israel and know that it's true. There's a thousand things up and down, back and forth that's going on and He's got one thing in mind. I'm your God. And you look at me no matter what because there's going to be a bunch that you can't handle. There's going to be a bunch of things that's going to come in your life that you're going to have to say, God, this is it. I can't do it. I'm going to hand it to you. And you say, well, how do I learn that lesson? It's through those maras that God's going to bring you through and walk you down that path to where you have to look at Him and say, God, you've never, you've never left. You've never wavered. God, you're still as faithful as you've ever been. Because don't forget what they just sung before they took off from the beaches. If you go back before verse 22, you can go back. We're not going to take time to read it. We're going to look at just a few verses in verse 2 of chapter 15. The Lord is my strength and song, and He has become my salvation. He is my God. Verse 6, The right hand, thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them. Look in verse 11. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Verse 17, Thou shalt bring them. Who's them? In verse 16, O Lord, till the peep, till thy people, till the people pass over which thou hast purchased. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance. You say, well, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to tell you that they had literally just sung that or their own testimony. God, look at what you've done for me. Look at how you've come through. God, look at all your grace and your glory and your mercy. And now when the storm hits, Now when the darkness shows up, now when the wilderness, now when there's no water, now they begin to murmur against God's man. What have you done? 
How dare you bring us out here? But I love what we hadn't read yet. Look at now, and, I, and, and I'm trying to hurry. Look at what he says in verse 25. He's being murmured against. The whole nation is looking at him. How dare you have done this to us? And look at the first thing that he does in verse 25. And he cried unto the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statue and an ordinance, and there he proved them. In verse 26, and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water, and threescore and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. I'm thankful tonight that when Moses was being murmured against, he didn't fight back with a bunch of other murmuring and complaints. I've learned that as a pastor. And I told the church, the church I appreciate some of my folk coming down. I told the church the other Sunday, I looked at them and I said, I'm not foolish enough to thank every one of you love me. I said, I'm thankful for every one of you. Had, you had my vote the first day that I came. I said, but if we were to take a re-vote, I have no doubt it would be different. It's just the, it's just the nature of the beast. And you come to me and I, I can hear murmurings. You've heard murmurings before. People talking about you, talking about you being a Christian, talking about you doing this and you doing that, and you living this life and you living that life. Can I tell you, don't fight back with them. All you need to do is bow on your face before God and cry out unto Him and say, God, God, I know I don't deserve you, but God, I sure do need your touch right now. And you know what He's going to do? When your waters start becoming bitter, He begins to show you a tree. He'll show you the tree. And the tree here that Moses is looking at. Notice what he says about the tree. He said that he cast the tree into the waters. The tree was placed into the bitterness. The bitterness was not taken and splashed upon the tree. You say, well, what are you trying to say? What difference does it make? All the difference in the world. Because he said, there must be a death at this tree. You're going to have to cut the tree off. And at that death, now the death has got to be plunged into the bitterness. He didn't say take the bitterness and splash it upon the tree. You say, well preacher, you don't know how many people I've gotten saved. I do. It's the same ones that are still lost. Because if you can say that you've taken someone and splashed them up on Calvary. Listen, don't fall out with me. Stay with me. You can splash them up on Calvary and all it's going to do is run down and make a big mud puddle at the bottom. Because all they're getting is this. But when Calvary, when the tree is taken and the death that was taken there is taken from that place and inserted into their bitterness, 
inserted into their dead heart, inserted into their dead life. When that is placed into their life, it is then and only then that that bitterness becomes sweet. There is no other way. There is no, you can talk to people till you're blue in the face. We had a little girl there at church get saved this week. I'm so thankful for it. She's 13 years old. She's been coming, and preacher, I know you'll, you'll, you'll agree with me. There's some people that God will just show you their face when you're preaching. Some people looks bitter. They look bitter while you're preaching. I'm telling you, it looks like they're sucking on a, what is it, a persimmon? <clears throat> But then there's some that is literally eating it up. I'm talking about just engulfing it. And I saw her face for three straight weeks. She sat right over about where Preacher Scott's sitting is where she would sit. And I'd scan and I'd be preaching. She's just sitting there like a bird with her mouth open. And I said, God, touch that girl. God, touch that girl. God, would you get a hold of her? Do you know she went home? Do you know what she told her mama? She said, Mama... I don't know how to put it into words. She said, but something's bothering me. She said, the preacher keeps preaching. And something's bothering my heart. Something's bothering me deep inside. And I, I, I wish I could put it into words. And I just don't know how. She said, honey, do you know what the word conviction is? And she said, I, I, I don't. I've heard it before, mama. She said, well, let me tell you what it is. And she explained to her and talked to her about salvation. She bowed right there and God saved her soul. She couldn't wait to tell her preacher. And I called her and talked to her and she come and met with me. I said, honey, I said, tell me what God did. I didn't, I didn't implant nothing into her. I didn't say, here's uh, preacher Tom Gilliam say, you can take her down the Roman road, French road, and German road. It don't matter. It matters what God has put in her heart. And I said, honey, tell me what God did for you. She said, preacher, I... I, I I wish I could put it into words. She said, I just knew something was bothering me and I knew I had to get to him. And I said, honey, that's all it takes. I said, because God put that in your heart to get to him. And I said, he made himself available for you. I'm saying, because of a place called Calvary. And she said, preacher, I believe that. I said, honey, I believe you believe that. I said, from this day forward, I said, you look at the devil between the eyes and say, I'm no longer yours. I'm his and I'm thankful today. That when God showed them a tree, aren't you thankful for the day that God showed you that tree? That He revealed that tree to you and inserted it into your bitterness and your waters became sweet. Because notice lastly, and I'm finished, they go to a place called Elam. Now that verse, I could sum it up by saying this. They were made, they had it made in the shade at Elam. The place was slammed full of water, slammed full of shade. They were laying down and resting, and I thank God for the times that He's given me rest. I am not belittling the place of rest that He has given them. But I just believe, and I know you got to be careful. I know it's very dangerous to preach between the verses. I understand that. But I believe, just believe, that that same daddy... That would have told his son, son, day one, Moses has got this taken care of. Day two, son, I, I think he's got it taken care of. Day three, son, I doubt he's got it taken care of. We're all about to, we're all about to just thirst to death. And God has come through in that mighty way. I can just see that same daddy. While everybody else is taking a shade and taking a rest underneath the shade tree. 
sipping back on some water and saying, boy, God's good, God's good. Glad we got some rest, glad we got some water. I can see that daddy over here on the edge of the property just gazing back over the wilderness and just standing there looking. And the sun would come up and say, Daddy, you know the shade and the water's back here. Yeah, I know, son. Well, Daddy, why are you looking back out there in the wilderness? Because, son, I, I'm thankful for the shade and I'm thankful for the water. But do you realize what God just did for us back here? Do you realize how good He is to me and you? Do you realize even beyond that Mara back here, there was a place called the Red Sea that He brought us through and He showed His mighty work. And then between that miracle and the miracle that He did again, we murmured and complained and whined, God, you forgot about us, Moses. You brought us out here for nothing. But even in the midst of our unfaithfulness, even in the midst of our unworthiness, even when we didn't understand, we can't explain it, even in the midst of all of that, Son, back there is where God proved His faithfulness. Back there in the midst of that too, Mara, is where God said, I'm still who I said I am. I've never left you nor forsaken you. Because I can promise you, I can't wait to get to heaven and talk to some of these people. I'd love to go up and talk to the woman with the issue of blood. And talk to her and say, ma'am, tell me about your life. And tell me about how great everything was after. She said, oh, no, 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 no. I want to tell you about how awful it was during the middle of it. I want to tell you about my Mara. About how bitter it was all through that. Because it, it is that that led me to touch the hem of his garment when he came by. And had it not been for that, I'd have probably been happy on my way to hell and never known any different. But as he come by, I knew I needed something that I couldn't fix. And when he come by, I reached out because my Mara was so bitter. I knew I needed him. I knew I had to get him. Boy, I want to tell you, and I'm done. I want to tell you, I don't know how bitter your Mara is. And I, I wouldn't change somebody's lyrics of a song, especially one as good as this. But that song, I know who holds tomorrow. I'd love to change the words one time from tomorrow to tomorrow. Because I know he holds tomorrow. Absolutely, we all know that. But as we're walking in our map of life that God has designed before the foundation of the world, and when we get to that place, God, I hadn't felt you. God, I'm thirsty. God, I need water. God, my back's up against the wall. God, there's a thousand things that God, we might could complain if the devil gets into our life. But let us be faithful and say, God, I know you hold my tomorrow as we stand.